Art of Visuals community and welcome to the Art of Visuals podcast, a content series to inspire the creators, the mavericks, the hustlers, and the visionaries who believe that art and creativity have the power to impact and change culture. This series was created for you, the explorers of the world. We're here because you're not alone on this journey to becoming your best self. This series shares real authentic stories direct from the world's most talented creative community. These stories are meant to inspire, motivate, and educate you and the rest of the AOV family. With over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship, content creation, and self-development, the AOV team is here to create a new kind of culture within our community, one that inspires action, love, growth, and fulfillment. You are now tuning in to the AOV Podcast. What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. My name is Prince McClinton, and I am your host, and today's guest is Ryan Longnecker. He's an outdoor and travel photographer based out of Southern California. My dude, Ryan, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, dude. It's my pleasure, man. It's been a a long time, a long time coming. Yeah, I... uh... We connected a while ago, and since then it's just been like sporadic, showing each other love. But it's really cool to be able to do this and see how hard you're just going at it. It's really oh, cool. Always, always, man. Always been a big fan. Always good to to see you doing well and and see you doing your thing. Congrats on purchasing your first home. Super exciting. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I didn't ever think I would buy a house here in Southern California, but I think that landing here and being close to like my wife's parents and just having like a good place to put down roots has been really helpful. And I think that it really like matches where I'm at just in my soul too. So it's, it's really cool to have a place where I'm like, I could see myself being here for a while. And then it's also not super far to go drive to be in the mountains or these other places where I kind of need to end up in order like to just thrive as a human being. So Right. No, most definitely. So why don't you start us off by giving us a little bit more background on yourself? Yeah. So I grew up in Bishop, California, which if you rock climb or if you are into like hiking or the outdoors or fishing, you might have heard of it. Um, It's kind of like Mecca for rock climbing. I grew up there and was born and raised there uh, my whole life. And then I got into music when I was in high school, and I think that really took my creative energy from the time I was 15 until until I graduated from college uh, with my music degree. And I think um, that was like where I really thought my creative energy was going to be poured. But I think just having such an aesthetically, visually beautiful place to just go get lost in. I didn't know. I don't even think I, I could rationally words to it at the time, but I think a growing appreciation for how beautiful the world is, as well as knowing that I just had some part of me that came more alive when I was pursuing art, whether it was music or painting or whatever. And so that really guided my life for a big part of my development. And then when I was a senior in college, that's when I picked up a camera. Uh, They wanted to pay me like 200 bucks to do the full year of yearbook photography. And I was like, yeah, sure. I need to make money wherever I could. And so everything sounded good. And so I just had, that was the first time that I had a camera on me at all times. And so it was just taking pictures of basketball. 
No, my college actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so in so my senior year of college, they were just offering this open spot, and I thought like, yeah, well, I already am interested in kind of the art world, and I needed to make some money here and there, so. I said yes to it, and that's where I had a camera on me at all times. And then, um, without dragging this out too much, my uh, another buddy of mine, when he graduated the same year that I did, he and I started a wedding photography business. He's still doing that, but I was a wedding photographer for eight years, and then I just couldn't tell another person that I thought they're like their mason jars were cool anymore like I couldn't like pretend that everybody's wedding was really cool anymore and so I was like oh like maybe I'm starting to like phase myself out of this I just wasn't passionate about it anymore and so I figured with the amount of competition there is in that world that I was happy to sort of take my name out of the hat and so that's when I started to question like what am I really passionate about and that's when my kind of love for the outdoors and kind of that childhood stuff started coming up for me and I was starting to get really reflective and sort of dove into some poetry here and there. And, and I was like, man, I just, I feel like I'm really passionate about showing people like how beautiful this planet is that we're living on. And so I was like, I'm going to, if it's going to take as much work as my wedding photography business that I was like, I might as well put all of that time into doing something that I'm passionate about. And so just poured it into doing, landscape work and so i've been doing that i've been doing strictly landscape type stuff because i always took pictures of places that i went but um yeah for like the last four years and then in that time too i went to grad school and got my graduate degree in theology so i also have that that i sort of work with and sort of like works itself out in the ethos of what I do so yeah just caring about people and the planet and I've got two daughters one's three one's 13 been married now for seven years almost so yeah congratulations so yeah and yeah just bought our first home here in Southern California last August and so nerding out over super Mm -hmm. old guy stuff (laughs) Yeah, getting that yard, getting the grass right. <laughs> oh, dude. Dad moves. Loving it. Yeah, dad moves. Strong dad moves. <laughs> so how does one like you, like, how do you live? How do you survive? Like, what, what, is your, what, is, what does your business look like? What are your revenue streams? How are you making money? Like, how do you do what you do? Yeah, um, I think that it's, I've been just constantly opening myself up to new opportunities, new places where I see I can add value. I think when I was reached out to by Adobe to be a part of their premium content for their stock, um, that was the first time I had sort of avoided that world entirely for a long time, um, just because I never really saw it as a viable way to earn income. I knew some people did, but I always heard the other side too of like how many people earn pennies on that. So I really poured into that for some time and I knew that having my name attached to somebody as reputable as Adobe was smart. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so, um, started to look into that and that's been a constant since that started. Um, I do. So what do you mean by constant? If you don't mind me asking, because stock photography 
Dude, I mean, I know a lot of old school stock photographers out of Boise that, I mean, at one point in their life, like they had, they, I mean, they're making a full time living just shooting stock photography, and and I mean, good money. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if if I really put time into it, I probably could. It's it's been enough to where I'm like, uh, like I'll get an email and I'm and it'll say like yesterday's daily earnings were three hundred and eighty. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I didn't have to do any, like, all I had to do is upload keyword. Like, it's not a lot of work for the amount of, like, income that that mm. generates. But also, it does take a lot of, like, work at the start to get, like, quality quality images. Because they will tell you, like, this picture isn't up to our standards. And so they will reject some of my stuff. And so I had to get used to having some of my work re- but I had 10 years of pictures that were just hanging out on a hard drive. And I was like, why wouldn't I put this on someplace that could make me 300 bucks one day, 500 the next, 20 the following? Like, right. So what, what so, would you say yeah. on average? Like a, on ball, average, like a ballpark, just like between what and I'd what? Say, yeah, I'd say like a really bad month would be like, between 500 and 800 and i'd say a good month probably two to four thousand so i mean that's a Word. major range but at the same time and that's, that's just not one the, stream yeah like that's just one thing and it's also and i mean it it is work and i do have to sort of rearrange my my eyes when i'm out there taking pictures because I want to shoot for things that I know companies will want to use for stock because there's certain things that work really well. And once you start to think with a different mindset and I'm not just trying to kill it on Instagram, like that's not my only thought. I'm like, okay, how could I shoot this same scene to go on the back of somebody's website that they want that they're about to like launch? Right. How to image space for a call to action. Exactly. Like just, all types of things you would never think about as a photographer unless you knew going like, <laughs> understand what brands are actually doing with these images and how they utilize them in their marketing materials. Totally. Um, so what else do you got going on besides that? I've been doing teaching a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. Adobe's brought me on to do a couple like small workshop things. I've taught with like local drone store. I've taught at some workshops over the last few years and so having an opportunity to teach is like one of those things that terrifies me i think growing up having a stutter um, is also one of the things where i'm like anytime i have a chance to speak in front of other people it's super like i'm like i'm very grateful but i'm also sort of terrified but i know being in front of other people wherever that can happen is the smartest place to place yourself because that's where you'll have people that are inspired by you that own this other business that you'll connect and find these other ways to like work it out. And so I've said yes to pretty much every teaching opportunity I can, Mm -hmm. um, because I know that that's going to hone my skill. It's also teaching has been a way for me to like eliminate BS from like my creative vocabulary, because I think everybody throws words out there that are so overused. And I think when I have to teach people how I do the things that I do, it helps me get really particular about what I'm saying. And so I think honing that down to it has been helpful. So anyway, 
teaching workshops um, and then from that has sort of built out mentoring and so um, I do like small group mentoring I do private like if people want to put together a group of like four or five people where I can go teach them or take them out on like droning I can go take them and like teach them over the course of an afternoon they can pull together their money a lot more easily it's the same amount of work for me really but mm -hmm. it's a lot less for like five people to do that and so yeah so teaching mentoring um i still shoot and i shoot for brands i'm in, i'm a part of like three or four creative agencies in their influencer type agencies that they'll they'll go find brands and then they'll connect me to that and so having work with other companies that way then i've got other things where companies will reach out to me directly or if i have a if i know of a place that i would love to work with i'll just periodically just cold call email people and say hey here's who i am but i love your i love your company and i would love to find a way to add value to what you do and sometimes that works i'd say that one's probably the most shot in the dark kind of thing because they're probably getting like 50 of those emails a day and so, so I'm like, all right, I don't, I don't expect a lot from that, but I know that it's important for me to constantly like reach out and try and make those connections too. So, so a little bit of this and that for sure. But then also, I mean, away from the creative angle of it, diversifying my like money and putting them into like mutual funds and things like that. So I'm like, that's not as interesting in the creative world but i'm like man that's probably making me just as much money just putting it into smart places where it's earning earning interest every day and so right. yeah so that's i think that's all of them right now gotcha dude i love it man see you got it you got it figured out a lot of people you know are looking for one specific stream of income and it's normally they're just trying to get brand work and they're not looking outside of of that to earn multiple streams of income and it makes their life so much easier especially as a creative i think any creative entrepreneur that's out there hustling like you really got to figure out you know your your multiple buckets and i think it's it's a great it's a security thing too you never know when something might fall through or all if you have one big client that feeds you and all of a sudden they're done two months later it's like they're like what are you gonna do yeah and and if if you're only putting a bunch of like a ton of energy into one platform, like don't be surprised when that changes because the people there have a reason. The people in at Instagram they're trying to make money for them, and so if they have to change the way that their app works in order for that to work more, and that negatively impacts your art. Like people just don't have that flexibility. Um, and I think that it's, yeah, I, it's kind of like what we were talking about right before we started the podcast, but there's, there's just a lot of creators, creators out there who I wish they would be a little more honest with the ways that they've had to be flexible to make their career work. Cause it doesn't always look like one thing. It's, it's going to take on many different, many different iterations and 
Um, if you're up for the challenge of like, all right, it's not going to work with this company anymore. It's not going to work on this platform anymore, or it won't look how it always has looked like it might work, but it's going to take time to like figure all of it out. And I think that the idea of calling our creativity work really irks some people. And I'm like, no, I mean, you have to come to terms with the fact that it is work. So, right. I mean, everything, I mean, pretty much everything is work. I mean, doesn't mean it's not fun, but it's still work. Yeah. I mean, I would much rather put my 40 hours a week into trying to find out this. I've worked in the corporate world. I've worked all of these other kinds of things where I'm like, I know the kind of hustle that that includes. Like you do get to clock out, but you spend eight hours of your day doing something that you don't care about. Like, so there's always a trade-off, but it's like, yeah, this is a really cool career, but it's all, it's not less work. Right. Like, and I think people slowly find that out. And that's where a lot of creative people get burnt out. Is they just don't have a lot of people showing them like, here's how you prevent those burnout areas as a creative and doing those gigs that pay your rent so that you can do that passion project of your own on the side and not have to have that make you money. Like there's a lot of ways to do that so that you don't become this resentful, like tortured artist, which I, I just don't think is a very compelling person to hire from like as any company. I don't think any company wants to have that tortured artist on their side. Like that's, that's not a compelling thing to have. No, so. <laughs> and you can you can feel that energy too when when someone's not enjoying something, you know. And so, um, let me ask you this: so you, earlier you had mentioned something about you know cancer at a young age. Uh, I'd love to hear more about that and what happened with that. So yeah, I um, I was playing football my freshman year of high school, and then every year you had to go in to get a checkup to just kind of see if you were still good to play. And so the summer after my freshman year of high school, um, I was going in for a checkup and they felt a lump in my throat and that was kind of new to them. And so we went and had that checked out. Turns out I had thyroid cancer. And so it was pretty quickly after that growing up in Bishop too, if you ever had to have anything like legit taken care of, you had to drive up to Reno because that was the closest place that had like a real hospital um, that could do those kinds of things. And so it was a lot of trips back and forth there, needle biopsies, every kind of scan possible. I became very familiar with hospitals at that point. And then, so yeah, thyroid cancer and then got my thyroid removed and a bunch of other things but that like also sort of took my my internal world and turned it upside down because I my hope and how I would fit in with other people in high school was like through these competitive sports that I was really into and I couldn't play anymore they told me that I would have to at least take year and a half off which means I would have missed my sophomore and junior year of playing football and so I was like okay well that's not going to be my social circle anymore and so it just became it sort of comp I mean 
clearly cancer is complicated for more reasons than that. But I was like, when you're developing as a person in high school who wants to find some, where you fit and ha have something like that happen. And I think that's where I really found, I really found a good community of people in like the arts um, because I couldn't do a lot. And so I think having to stay still, um, I kind of returned to some things that I really liked as a kid, drawing and painting. And, and so, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a gnarly phase of life. And it, I mean, it has on going impact with me. I mean, not having a thyroid messes with my energy and my weight and my mood and people mm -hmm. don't realize how like, important that little thing is but yeah it's uh that's been a an interesting thing that i don't even know if i'll ever know how much that impacted me but um yeah so happened young too so i've had to like live with what that means too so any good takeaways like going through such adversity at a young age like was there any positives that you took away that you think empowered you to to move on and to move forward in life and get to where you're at today i think that it yeah, 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 like for sure. That's a really good, really good question. I think that it helped me to know that when life dealt me something that was pretty brutal, I was able to like stand up under it. And it also helped me know that um, how important it was for me at that time to have friends I was close with. Um, and so I think having a good community support was so important to me in that time that it drilled into me was uh, just this need to surround yourself with quality people because when life gets brutal for all of us and we just try and be resilient under it, um, sometimes we don't have the capacity to. Sometimes it will knock you down completely. And so I think that when I got that and I had people that were willing to stand with me through that, um, that was an, a really important thing. And I don't know if I would have learned that because high school can just be this massive competition to see who can accumulate the most experiences or the most whatever. And so I had early on this, like, no, the quality of the people that are next to you are super important. So that's something that has paid off for me in my life. Um, and, yeah, I think just the fact that I was able to be strong when things got tough has been something that's helped me to not be too worried about things falling apart. And it's allowed me to take more risks than I think other people have who I'm like. Um, I find myself pretty okay with saying like, hey, let's try it out. And if it doesn't work, like it's not going to be the end of the world like it can't be worse than it can be worse than cancer like so so it's definitely op opened me up to like hey let's just try some things out and take risks and i think that's probably the most positive thing from that dude i love it um it's yeah going through adversity i think is so many port like so i think that's what builds character for people is is, is going through these challenges and it's all about how you react to these challenges and, and what you take away and, and, and how you utilize that going forward. And it sounds like you've definitely, you have used it to your advantage. So you're a dad, 
a husband, you have two kids. What is it like being an influencer and having a family at the same time? Well, it means that whenever I'm around other influencers or I get invited to things where other influencers are, I immediately, I'm the old guy. Like I, I, I it's me and a bunch of other like early twenties people who are, who are having very different kinds of conversations for sure. <laughs> but it's, it's really cool because I think that the kinds of things that concern me now, when I compare myself to other influencers, other photographers, other people who are younger, I have that temptation. And I think everybody has this weird temptation to compare ourselves to other people's experiences and kind of like wish that I had more flexibility, wish that I had more time to do these other things, to travel more, to do whatever. But I have this new way of looking out at my career as like, I want to work as much as I can that keeps me home as much as I can because being with my kids now is so much better than taking a really sick trip to Iceland. Like, right. and I've done those and, and they're great. And I, and I think everybody should like strive to have those experiences. But I do think that there are, I was able to open myself up to like, what does success look like for me in my soul and my heart? And, and I think that now that I have children at home, a wife who also wants to pursue her career. And so that means it's placed me at home a lot more. And when I'm here, that's also opened up kind of like what I'm saying, those, those challenges, those risks of like, all right, what am I going to shift within my career so that I can stay true to who I am wanting to be present for my children? Because I, I would have these experiences where I'd be traveling over to the Azores and I would come home and I would have all these experiences bottled up. And I'm sure that everybody else has had this experience, but when you go on these epic trips it's hard to translate for other people like how that impacted you you can tell them the stories but like you come home a different person and I think anybody that really pays attention to the landscape and the arc of all creation and the world and all of this stuff like you get changed when you do these really big epic trips and I would come home and I would be so bummed out that I couldn't really translate the different kind of person that I had just become without my wife or my children like there with me. And so it matches me so much better now to stay home, to find these passive streams of income. And, and I love it. And I don't think I would have been able to tell you that I would love that when I was in my twenties. I think that would have sounded like death to me. And I think I would have, I think for a long time, I assumed people that settled down and had children and stayed in one place were like giving up. I just assumed that that was their like, yeah, I just, I'm too tired. And so I always assumed that that was them kind of quitting on their dreams. And I didn't give credence to the fact that dreams change as you get older. 
And I think I've just gotten old enough to where I'm like, yeah, that's success for me is to be able to be home with my kids and make this work out in these other ways. Dude, I love it, man. I love and it's kind of cool. It's like that's the trajectory. It's like you start it's like a musician, right? A lot of times musicians, they're young. They even if they're not young, they, they have this cycle of, oh, they just blew up. Right. And so now they're touring and it's their first time touring and they're not used to this lifestyle. And so they're out partying a lot and they're doing a lot of things uh, that come along with that lifestyle. But after a year or two or three years, they start to mature and develop. Their music changes a little bit. They stop going out and they spend more time understanding their craft. They start families and things change, you know, and it's really cool to see you moving you know, you've done all the influencer stuff, traveling the world, running and gunning. And now it's like, dude, I enjoy being home with my family. And it's nice to, I've already been there, done that. That was a good time, but it's nice to be moving into this next cycle of life. And with that said, you know, what is the, what does the future look like for you? Do you have any idea? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I have hopes. I don't have any idea, but <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I would love to work with like the Department of the Interior and work with like national parks. I think one of the things for me that I'm super passionate about, but there's so much red tape around it that I'm. I mean, it's it's a big challenge for me, and I've did my foot into it a bit. Is like, how do we as creative people unify around taking care of our planet? I mean, when we have a government that's going to defund the national parks, defund these protected places that are so beautiful that we love to go see and experience. If they're not going to take care of it, then I think creators have a responsibility to go like, to say like, Hey, how do we take care of it? How can we go out there and show how beautiful this place is? Obey the, rules that are in place, but also like, like encourage other people to go check it out. Like how can we use our skills and our talents and our creativity, not just in taking pictures, but like we're creative people. So how can we creative problem solve this reality that these places need protection to exist? And so for me, I was like, how can we like, creatively circle around these places. And so that's been a thing where I've constantly like, I will partner up with anyone that does like conservation or environmentalism or any of these things that are like trying to take care of the planet. I don't care if they're huge or small. I'm all about trying to get into that. And I think that that's got a lot more lifespan and it also has a lot more urgency for me. It feels like that's way more important than killing it for some company for me i'm like that mm-hmm. aligns so much more with like the deeper parts of who i am and so right. that's what i'm hoping to kind of get included into and kind of work towards and i'm and i'm trying to um but that um future for me seems a little more opaque like it's a little harder to see how that lines up and who to talk to and who to email. Mm-hmm. I've tried to send emails to people at the department of the interior and clearly they don't want to talk to some Instagram influencer. Like they're <laughs> interested in talking to like 
scientists, biologists, all of these, like clearly the people they should be wanting to talk to. But I want to be, I want to be in on that conversation to say like, what can I do to further what you guys need and how can I outfit you with really good content that helps your cause or whatever. I don't even know what that would look like yet. Right. Well, I would maybe, maybe start with sending them something like, Hey, like, I'm just one guy, but there's a whole world of guys like me that have influence and, you know, we'd love to be advocates for what you guys are doing. And you guys, I mean, I think it would make sense for them to want to leverage you guys to, to reaffirm and to share the messaging that they work very hard to, to put out and to educate, you know, the, the communities and these various places on how to respect and, and treat and utilize these these lands and property and you know pretty you know it could be a good chance you still don't get anything back but well yeah i mean that's that's part of it too is like who do you send that that email to like who like where where like i've i've tried like i knew a person that worked with nat geo and i was like who would you even send an email to like this and he sent me a couple people but even then I'm like, these are departments on a large scale that are having their funds cut too. So I'm like, they're all skating by, like they have no money to throw at anything. And so for me, I have to just get to the point where I'm able to carve out some legit time to go do this on my own dime and then kind of submit that passion project to them and say, here's what I see a creative person can do for your, for our cause. Like we're a team, we're on the same team. Right. And so I want to do that. It's just, I, I think having like that for me is like in the next couple years is trying to put together some people that have the same heart and the same, right time in the same kind of like we could have a conversation and wouldn't kill each other if we spent a week in a car together like and go do that and just do it on our own because i really think that it's gonna have to come down that way because it's if people are trying to learn to like make and make income from something like that it's just not at the place i don't think we're at the place to even do that right now right well, you know, you could always get brands involved. Like brands love being involved with good causes and things. And I think if you put together a deck that made sense and how they could be involved and what that would look like for them, um, you'd be surprised. Like I know a lot of guys that do work on environmental type projects with, you know, brands and they help fund the projects and uh, sponsor things and, you know, stuff like that. So you can always climb down that rabbit hole and do a little research and, and see what you can come up with there as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious. So with where you're at in life, you know, what does success look like for you? Like you're obviously you're doing well, um, which is really exciting to hear. But, you know, what is your you know, what is your definition of success? I think right now it's. Am I able to be as true a person as an artist, as I am a husband, as I am a father? Like, am I compromising any of those parts of me to make the other one work. And so I think that if I can find that stream to where I can be as true in my work as I am as a husband, as I am as a 
father as I am as just an individual who has hopes and dreams and creative passions beyond all of that. Like, I think for me, success is finding the, the really beautiful rhythm of how all those work in tandem and they're not in competition. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes that means saying no to a photo gig that looks really cool or sounds really cool because my daughter has a choir performance. Like for me, that's more true to the rhythm of where I am right now. And so I think if I'm able to find that, that path and how that works out, and I know that that's very ethereal and philosophical, but for me, that's sort of how I've always like that for me feels like the most mature way to view success right now. Um, but yeah, it kind of changes it over time for sure. Right. Um, yeah, it sounded like the, the common denominator there is just kind of finding your balance, like being able to just be the best person you can be from every direction and, and keeping that balance and making sure no one's missing out. Your wife's not missing out. Kids aren't missing out. Like you're able to fulfill all your obligations equally, um, which is obviously is a, is a really good feeling to know that you're taking care of every front of the house, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, it is all like, these are all things that I'm obligated to do. And at the same time, I'm like, these are also things that I'm really passionate about. So it's not like I'm having to lay down my passion as a creative in order to do this obligation as a father. Like I'm passionate about my kids too. And so I think that there's, I've been surrounded by enough people that are also my age that aren't creatives that help keep me sort of balanced and like, don't let me get lost in the online world social media where everybody's talking about things that only creatives are ever talking about. Like there's so many conversations that nobody except for photographers like even care about, like they're just not talking about it. And so to be in that other part of the like reality exists outside of Instagram and reality exists outside of Facebook. And how do you participate with that as just a whole person like without a camera in your hands? That for me is, has been important. And I think, continues to be more important the more that I get get older and just uh have more nuanced ways of looking at the world I guess right. without trying to sound too like up in the clouds <laughs> dude so obviously you have stunning stunning photography work uh how do you go about approaching a photograph I think the first thing that I do when I come on the when I show up to wherever I'm shooting is, is I, as I pause and I try and take in an experience and I ask like, what is the experience that I'm having right now? And sometimes that experience is that I, I am in a hurry. And so I just kind of like admit that I'm like, I'm anxious, but I'm always trying to, I'm always trying to shoot. What does this scene feel like? Um, and I think that that will influence how I shoot, but I also have kind of how I will, I'll always have how, how I will edit a picture in mind ahead of time. And so I think doing it long enough, I can know that if I'm at the 
beach at night and I really want that beautiful gradient of colors that I'm going to have to underexpose half a stop in order to do that. And so there's technical things that kind of come into play, but they're a lot more second nature for me at this point. But I think, and I hope that doesn't come across as like arrogant or anything, but that's just, I'll just come in and I'll say like, oh, okay, I really want this to look moody. I know that if I'm going to, if I'm going to edit this by pulling up the highs and that will bring up the color, then I have to underexpose. And so all of that happens, but it's always like, what do I feel about this scene right now? And depending on if you're in a quiet mountain or if you're in traffic in LA, um, there's ways to just compose that and that enhance that. And so I think that for me, it's always emotion first, followed by framing, followed by color. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I think all of that's things that I just sort of inherently do. I don't really have a mental process that I walk myself through. I just kind of show up and I think that some of it's intuitive. And I think also I probably don't shoot with as much technicality as other people because I don't have a, a formal education in it. And so, right. Yeah. So that's an answer and it's also not an answer. Have you, have <laughs> you I'm looking at one photo. It looks like you used a tilt shift lens. Have you ever uh -huh. used tilt shift lens on? Yeah, I, I have used a tilt shift lens, but if it's anything probably within the last two years, then it was probably just an edit in alien skin exposure. Uh -huh. They have like the, the most awesome tilt shift, uh, faux tilt shift effect that you can add on things. <laughs> Do you mind sharing what that is with the, the rest of the people listening? Yeah, yeah. So it's alien skin exposure is just it's a it's a standalone app that you can um, you can edit raw in there too. I edit all my pictures in Lightroom, but then I'll take it into alien skin exposure if I want to do any grain or if I want to do the tilt shift effect because alien skin exposure just handles those two things so much better than. Lightroom, and so I'll treat that as like a fine-tuned editing, and so I'll do that for maybe I don't know, maybe ten percent of my pictures, and you can really get some cool looks out of that after you've done all of your like Lightroom stuff in it too. Right. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm curious. So, what type of gear are you shooting on? Right now, I'm on the Canon 5D Mark IV with a 24 to 70, 70 to 200. I just borrowed a 16 to 35 for this project that I was on that I love. I don't have that one yet, but I want to get that. If I'm doing astrophotography, I have a Rokinon, uh, I think it's 14 millimeters, mm -hmm. and it's rad. I love that one. Um, and then for like portraits and things like that. I have a Sigma 35 nice. and I have a, a DJI Mavic two pro. Okay. And that's what you do all your drone photography on. That's what I've done all my drone photography on in the last, since whenever it came out, I had it like that first week and right. that thing is, and I'm not paid by DJI. I think they should pay me because I just like, <laughs> 
I just I can't say enough good things about their gear. <laughs> I can say some other things about other experiences I've had with them, but their gear is rad, and I I love what they have out there. But the Mavic 2 Pro is so impressive, and I'm so mind blown that that technology that I even have it in my hands. But it's um, it's really rad. So how do you go approach? Let's talk drone photography. I think that's a, a super interesting topic. It's one that. I think a lot of people would love to, to learn more about. And so how do you go about, how do you go about approaching a drone photograph versus like a normal? Yeah. So I think with drones for me, what was always really compelling about them was that you could get a painting canvas sort of like flattened look out of a picture. And so if you think about it, when you're painting on a canvas, even if you're trying to portray a 3d, image on there you could have you're paying attention to color a lot more you're paying attention to lines a lot more and texture and i think that there's just this ability for color lines and textures in a drone picture to pop out more and i also it's very rarely will i know exactly what i'm gonna shoot when i take my drone up because I love what it will expose to me. And so, I mean, clearly I'm six foot three is my eye line when I'm standing up. So even if you just get off the ground 20 feet, you're going to have a new angle that you didn't know was there. And then if you're following all the rules, you can go all the way up to 400 feet and just get all these crazy pictures that pop out at me. And so I think that my approach towards drone photography has always been like, Hey, let's just go shoot and see what happens. Like there's some places that I've shot in the past that I know some, like if you're at the beach at sunset, you're going to get long shadows on the umbrellas and, and all of, all of these other things. So I'm like, I've shot some of these things enough to know the end result there. But for the most part, I'm just taking it out just saying like, all right, I, I don't know what this area holds for me, this road, this forest, this mountain. And then I take the drone up and it's like a whole new world that I can sort of explore while I'm up in the air. But depending on if I'm sh shooting straight down or if I'm trying to shoot at an angle, like I think if I'm trying to shoot more on a horizontal plane, um, then I treat it more like a regular camera. But for me, that's not always the most compelling angle or purpose of a drone. A drone. Yeah. Right. What about settings wise? Any, any specific settings that you use? I, you know, I've heard a lot of people utilizing their drones and they're like, Oh, like I don't, sometimes it's hard for me to get the exposure right. Or the settings always seem funky. My photos always look grainy or the footage always looks grainy. Uh, yeah. Any recommendations? For sure. Yeah, I would say that if you can get away with it, keep your keep your ISO at one hundred all the time. Like if if you can do if you can change everything else, change everything before you change ISO. Um, if you're shooting stills, or I suppose if you're doing either, but I have a circular polarizer on at all times. That's just. I love how that cuts glare off of things, especially if you shoot a water, that is a key thing to have on there. So I've got filters on there. If you shoot video, 
become aware of the frame rates that you need to have to shoot certain videos. So if you're shooting at 24 frames per second, your shutter speed should be 150th. So, but learning all of those so that you can then put an ND filter on your drone so that you could have the proper exposure. Most people that are trying to shoot and they just have everything auto, it's just overcompen it's it's a piece of mechanical equipment. So it's trying its best to assume that what you need. But I would say, yeah. So put a ND on there if you're gonna shoot video, ISO one hundred, and then for the Mavic two pro, I've kept the aperture at F4 and then yeah just adjust the the shutter speed I tend to overexpose with drones but I underexpose with my DSLRs because I don't think drone images really do as well with underexposed so yeah I just I tend to overexpose a bit and it seems to work Awesome, dude. Appreciate you sharing those those tips with everyone. I know the drone stuff's a hot one, and I hear, I think, you know, a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of people that have no idea what they're doing with the camera, um, but there's a lot of guys that are actually great photographers and very dialed with the camera, and they're just now getting into drone stuff, and it's a whole new world for them, and they're just <laughs> like, dude, like, trying to figure out all the, you know, it's like a whole new world. I, gotta fi- I just got to figure it all out, and so... Uh, yeah, it's nice to be able to talk about some droning stuff and to go through some of those tips. Yeah. What drives your passion in photography and travel and, and kind of motivates you to keep going? Because you've been doing this for a long time now. Yeah, well, I think it's I mean, I'm coming off of I mean, if I'm in full disclosure, I'm coming off of like not picking up my camera for personal stuff for like from for like months now. I set my camera away just because I needed to take a break from from always having it. And so I've done a few projects here and there um, because it's important to keep working. But I think that it's also important to stop. But I think what drives me is just, um, yeah, I don't know why I felt like I should say that there. That has nothing to do with my answer. But um I, I think what drives me is um, just that I I really still have this conviction that like the world is beautiful, the people in it are, and we have an opportunity to tell a story about that. And I think the world is becoming a more cynical place. And I think just every opportunity I have to talk to anybody, to take pictures, to write music, to write poetry, whatever it is, that drives me to just know that that's going to be somebody's opportunity to see a reason to stay hopeful that like not everything's horrible, not everything is like what you see on the news, like there's still good things out there. And so... Um, yeah, it's just this internal, like it's, there's still good out there that mixed with the fact that my children like to eat food. Um, so I want to keep that going. (laughs) (laughs) Most definitely. How do you, I guess, how do you fight through creative blocks? Like when you just, 
you're not feeling creative and you got, you have to, to do this stuff. How do you get through those moments? That for me, I mean, well, one, I think putting the camera away is, is, I mean, some people don't have that luxury though. I think that me having built all these like passive income things, I now have the ability to like stop taking pictures for a while. So it's nice, but it, um, so that's why I encourage people to do that so that you can put the camera away for a bit and you don't feel like you're a prisoner to it. Do you but work two, on, I'm curious, or yeah. oh, I'm sorry, go ahead and finish. I can I'll oh. ask after. Yeah, sure. So, and the other thing that I tell people all the time is like, try something else, like not taking pictures, try an entirely other genre of creative expression, like do pottery, write a poem, get out, like try to get out of this thing because you have built up this one way that you express yourself creatively. It's not returning right now. And that's okay. You might just be going through something that every creative person experiences, but try this other thing that is new to you, that is foreign to you. That's not so common and see what you connect with for a period of time you might see see that you're way more creatively expressive in poetry absorb that let that be okay and like you don't have to give up your career just to creatively express yourself in some other way you can still do work but then put your camera away and try to create and try and do something else that you haven't and i think that that kind of gets other parts of us woken up and i think that that helps me get unstuck gotcha dude i love it man um i forgot my question though so i know i knew that was gonna happen <laughs> terrible no 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 it's all good <laughs> um so who i mean so like at your at your point in life i mean are you drawing inspiration from photographers are you drawing more inspiration now from other creative spaces musicians etc like yeah who inspires you yeah it's a little bit of everything i mean i am reading a like irish poet philosopher right now john o'donohue amazing anise mojgani is my is like my favorite poet of all time so i'll just return to his poetry um I like to I'm I'm starting to get back into music again slowly like I had to step away from that for a long time because studying it so clinically for so long I was like <laughs> it, it killed it for me but now I'm starting to like get into it again but as far as like photographers I mean the people that inspire me the most now are not the ones who like are just killing it with every picture I like the people who I've met and I can support personally. Like I pay so much more attention to the people who come over to my house, eat a meal here. Like it's so much more fun to know their entire journey and feel like I'm a part of that mm -hmm. than to just like say like sick tones on your picture. Like for me, that's become so like empty and, and I'm like, we have to find other ways to connect. But I also feel like I've met people that are just inspiring people and have such a broad reputation of being quality. Um, 
we were talking about Eric Ward, Little Cole. Like, I've just heard so many positive things, and I know a bit about his story. And so to, to see people like him or just these these other photographers who are out there and are being a positive creative force in our in our industry for me that's way more important like how how do you make other people feel when you're around them because i know plenty of photographers that are like a drag to hang out with um and and so i'm way more like apt to like be supportive and be inspired by people who are being true and being honest, being good people, being easy to hang out with, like people who I know personally. Um, just because if I really want to just go get inspired by quality pictures, like it doesn't take long. There's so many good pictures out there. And I'm like, if I just need that, like, jolt of epicness i can go get that in five seconds but if i want to be inspired it takes some work right what do you what do you think i guess where do you see the platform heading like you you talked about like the you know sick tones right and that's kind of the sediment (laughs) in in the space right now there's there's not really like a a deep uh engagement on the social side it's not really like as social as social media is thought to be it's actually you know what i mean it's it's very just like light shallow comments and things and like you just said that the the most pages are filled of these they're filled with just epic epic shots um but not necessarily the most like tasteful like the type it's epic on instagram but it's stuff that you would never see like in a gallery Right. You know, totally. so it's like yeah. this weird, it's like its own world and this trend. And it's like, I guess, yeah. Like, what do you, like, do you see the, do you see people going back to just like doing less crazy edits and more, you know, as people mature and they get tired of the Epic and they start posting more, I guess, human type images that are a little deeper and, and more about people and the places and the story and some type of connection or where do you see things kind of going man i would love that that sounds good to me i i think that instagram will forever be owned by the 15 to 20 year olds though like it's just that's their their world is so quick and so crazy and i think that just the idea that you can scroll past 50 amazing pictures with one swipe like it's just not meant to like be appreciated like what's so strange is is like i i can like a picture but i don't have an appreciation like it's it's i would never like say like hey i really appreciated this photo you took like that would just be a weird thing to say on instagram because there's no real pausing like it's so quick and so i think that the platform will like forever cater to whatever is most appealing or however is most appealing to people who are, who are young and quick and that could be wrong. And I, and I think that the platform is headed more towards like supporting people's products. It just seems like they're integrating like, if you want to sell something like, or if you're a fitness coach or a, or a celebrity, like 
that feels like it's kind of catering to that. Whereas I feel like artists are always sort of inherently dissatisfied with that being the only thing that they're competing with where they want their work to be appreciated. And so I think that I would not be surprised if people abandoned at least the like regular ongoing sort of like posting and hoping people would appreciate their work. And we might see more people putting out photo books or getting together with other artists to do like galleries. I think that would be really cool if, if we had like more uh, creatively held spaces where people could pause and could, could appreciate and could take some time with that. Um, but I don't think that on the platform, it just seems like it's not built for, I mean, I don't think anything on social media, it doesn't really have the strength in its hands to hold the depth with which I think artists want to like experience each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that we're always going to find it lacking. And I think that that's just inherent in what it is. I don't think they could change the platform to do anything else that would actually fix that problem. Gotcha. Dude, I appreciate you sharing your, your viewpoint on that. Uh, it's always really interesting just to see where people's heads are at and, and what they think of where the space is today and, and where it's going. Cause I mean, I've seen it change. You know, I got on Instagram back at the jump in like, I don't even 2011, 2012. And you know, there was four filters <laughs> to choose from. <laughs> yeah. And it was cool at that, at that time, it was a very different platform and, and obviously it's now the animal that it is today. And so it's, it's always just interesting how things change over time and who's using it and how they're using it. Like I would have never thought back in 2012 that this is where we'd be in 2019. <laughs> like I didn't, totally, I definitely didn't see that. Like if someone would have been like, Oh, what's your vision? What do you think this platform Instagram will go? I'd be like, I don't know. Like people are just sharing <laughs> photos of like their food and hanging out with their friends. You know, I, like I just post photos of me skating and kicking it with my buddies. Yeah, totally. Know? And then all of a sudden, years later and people are making full-time livings and creating brands and all types of just wild, wild things. And it's really cool. And then obviously there's the reverse side of the side effects of social media and usage and, you know, the play on what it does to our psychology and mental health and all those different things. And so it's just, uh, it's very interesting and social media is so new and they're just now getting through the first batches of, you know, clinical research on the side effects of social media and it's going to be really interesting i think as more time progresses and there's more research to really see like what are the long-term side effects of unhealthy usage of these types of applications and platforms yeah well i mean we are the like guinea pigs that this is all being tested on (laughs) so (laughs) like we're the first people that had all of this and so i think that that it is really interesting. I think everybody should be paying attention to those clinical like research, like all of that that's coming out about that because the reality is that like, I I mean, and it's not all horrible because I know people in there that are doing amazingly powerful things through that. Like uh, green matters is like this page that just posts like positive climate in information for everybody and i'm like man they're doing amazing things with their platform so it's not that you can't do something positive 
It's just that like it takes so much more intentionality and it takes patience and you're not going to be competing with the like hugeness that exists there. And so I think that, um, yeah, that paying attention to how it's impacting you personally and how it's impacting us and like are you actually caring about the people that you're communicating with and like asking yourself some of those tougher questions is like super important and I think that if we're able to do that and we're able to be honest with that then at least we're not just getting swept up in it which people who are swept up are the ones that they really want to like market products to and I'm like it just takes some patience to like step back out of that especially as like humans but also if you're an entrepreneur you need to be able to like step back and go what's happening here sort of investigate the platform and see like where's it headed because if you want to succeed in a career you have to kind of anticipate like it looks like it's headed over here does that work is that where I want to put my time and energy is that where I want my income to be coming from? And I'm like, you just have to think in like other ways. And I think that's where it goes outside of the realm of like sick tones. You know what I mean? Like it's so much larger than that. And I think you're a great example of like a person who has taken the time to like look at it, build something profitable out of it, but can also speak, speak intelligently to it and knows that it kind of goes through these different like iterations and i think that yeah that more people need to be like paying attention to it that way i think yeah it's like it's like a flow of energy like everything morphs with time and energy and the more energy being put in from different people from all over the world obviously together as a collective end up warping what a platform is you know like things these things start out to be this but then after millions of people get on and they're all putting their energy into these different things, all of a sudden it's no longer this where it started. It's way <laughs> down the road over here and this is what it is today and who knows yeah. what it'll look like. You know, I mean, I guess I have a pretty good idea. I have a feeling it'll probably just look like Facebook here and not, you know, in another few years, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I, I, but then I, you never I, know I what's next. Right. You know, and it's like, where it is, it's just, I mean, it's zero. <laughs> dude it's been really awesome chatting with you before we wrap up the podcast I, I usually like to end it by uh asking our guest to spread a little light with the aov community more or less take a little moment to just drop some words of wisdom whether you want to drop advice share some type of inspiration leave the community with just a strong positive message you know, that's just, that's kind of how we like to end these things just on a really nice high note. And cool, yeah. with that said, whenever you're ready, if you want to just leave the community with some words. Yeah. I would say when you wake up, spend 15 minutes, not connected to anything, but you listen to where you're at and what you want, pay attention to your hopes and your desires and then try and see yourself as a part of something larger than you start talking in terms of we and us rather than me and my um, and I think that once you can start to see yourself as a part of something larger whether it's the planet a community family if you can start to circle yourself in with other people you start to make better choices and you start to see that we need each other and i think that 
once you do that, your eyes start to get tuned into how beautiful the world really is and how beautiful we are and that there's still hope and that as an artist, we have really unique and compelling ways to show that hope for other people. Ryan Longnecker, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, brother, for coming on. Yeah, the show. dude. Thanks so much. This was awesome. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to, to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we've picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcasts, our free app, and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. So check out our website shop.artivisuals.com go get some free presets the artist presets are still for sale if you want to support the artist and you should support the artist uh, just know that that money goes to them and we're also going to be reworking that commission structure here in the next month so we're really stoked about that but go get some free presets and if you guys want to buy gear please support us help us out go to adorama.com peace